1 John 3.22. You will notice as we come to verse 22 that uh, there are only 24 verses in this chapter, which means next week will be our last week in this study of 1 John chapter 3. I trust that it's not the last time we'll think about what we're learning here, because what I've been trying to impress upon all of us is that we need this every day. We need the reminder that uh, we are to be like Christ, we are to love our brother, and we are to live truth every single day. We need that reminder. And so, we've spent quite a number of weeks on this since we started way back in January, as we've been studying this through. And, and so today we've come to verse number 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Fascinating verse. We're going to take our time to learn it here today, but first we've got to ask for help, don't we? So let's talk to our Lord. Heavenly Father, again, Your Word is in front of us and it's a challenging verse. We need to comprehend it. So help us, Lord, this morning. Write it. Write it down clearly for us that we might uh, see and that we might uh, also be engaged to do what you have told us to do. It's important for us, Lord, here, if we're going to do all that you have called us to in this chapter, that we understand this too. So help us, we pray, and we ask that uh, in the end your name is glorified and your word is clearly explained to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now John has taught us to be like Christ. Is that optional? No, it's not. We must be like Christ. Because, as we saw earlier in the passage, when we see Him, we will be like Him. Right? We will be like Him. That's not optional. And so... Being like Christ is something that we're called to do. We're to love our brother. Is that optional? No, it is not. We are called to love our brother. That matter of fact, that's the uh, testimony of who is a believer. Is that visible thing of loving your brother. Live the truth. That's what we started three weeks ago. Is that optional? It is not. Matter of fact, our world desperately needs the truth, doesn't it? Who has it? We do, don't we? The Lord has taught us. We carry it in our hands. We're supposed to live it before the world that they may see what truth is. They're not going to find it in any other source. Christians manifesting truth. That's what we're supposed to do. Be like Christ, love our brother, Live truth, all three are intertwined. In this chapter, we've noticed it moved from one to the next to the next, and they are intertwined with each other. You cannot do one without doing the other two. These are not picked the best two out of three. We are called to do all three of these. They are essential uh, parts of the Christian life. We must. We must. And, and I've impressed that over and over, I think. Uh, I come to, to conclude, if we get the first part of this right, being like Christ, the other two are part of that, isn't it? 
I mean, if we're being like Christ, will we love our brother? Will we live true? So we, we've got our starting place, and that's what John started with, is being like Christ. Now, perhaps by this point you're starting to think, you know, this is a pretty tall order. And it is. Matter of fact, you might even label it as impossible. And you know what? It is, if it's up to you, to do it. To be like Christ on your strength or on my strength, that's impossible. These are challenges that go way beyond what we're capable of doing at all. So the question I'm going to ask is, how then do we do it? If we're called to do this, how do we do it? For example, we are told, as we saw in this passage, not to sin. That's easy, right? <laughs> no, it's not easy. And you know that, too. It is exceedingly difficult. Matter of fact, we would label it as impossible. We would, unless, as John has taught us, unless we are abiding in Christ. Because only abiding in Christ is there a solution for sin. We have to come to grips with this. We must abide with Christ because He cannot sin, right? And if you abide in Him, is He ever going to lead you into a place of sin? No! Because He only leads on paths of righteousness. Only! So that's why we must abide in Him. That's the only solution for sin. So it's very logical, you see, it's very logical that John should say that those who are abiding in Him does not sin. That's logical, because he doesn't sin, and we're abiding in him. Verse 6 said it, no one who abides in him sins. That's straightforward, but that's what it says. Now, that's one example we've learned. Another example, we are told to love our brother to the extent that we lay down our lives for him, right? You saw that in verse 16, I did too. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Is that easy? Another difficult one, right? Matter of fact, on human love level, that's quite impossible. But Christ has already done that for us. That's, that's very key to this whole understanding. And if his love is what is in us, then it's His love that gives us the ability to love our brother. Because we're supposed to love like who? Like Him, right? Don't try your love. Do His love. Love your brother. So loving your brother then requires that you be abiding in Christ, true? That's indispensable to the whole thing. Now, Living the truth is no difference at all of these three. That's not something entirely outside the, the teaching that we've been getting here. See, truth is not our invention. It, it, it is not our opinion. Truth concerns Christ. He is the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I know I hammer that verse. I say it often. Probably every week. But that reality is before us. In that, 
if we do not abide in Christ, we do not abide in truth. Right? We must abide in Christ. We can't possibly live truth without Him. We can't do it. Any more than we can love or any more than we can deal with sin. We cannot do it without Him. He is the one who does it through us. So obviously, you've heard this morning already, abiding in Christ is essential. Abiding in Christ makes it possible for us to be like Him, for us to love like Him, for us to live like Him. Abiding in Christ is essential. And it never ceases to amaze me. Of those who claim to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they go and spend an entire day, or a week, or a month, without any reference to Him whatsoever. How can you do that? How can you name His name, and have no relationship with Him? How can you claim that you are one of His followers, and yet you don't even give Him a minute of your day? How can that be? We cannot live the Christian life without Him, can we? We must have Him. We must abide in Him. I, I, I'm stressing this. I, I know, because last Sunday night we were talking from 1 Peter chapter 3, a passage that concerns what dominates your heart. Whatever dominates your time will dominate your heart. Whatever will dominate your efforts dominates your heart. Whatever dominates your money, dominates your heart. Whatever dominates your thoughts, dominates your heart. What happens if Christ dominates your time, and dominates your thoughts, and dominates your efforts, and dominates even your money? What does He dominate then? Your heart. What's dominating your life right now? What's dominating your life? Now, you may say, okay, Pastor, I read the verse with you, and I'm wondering where you're at. Because you're starting way over here, and this verse says, whatever we ask from Him, because we keep... I'm sorry, I started that... Yeah. In whatever we ask of Him, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. What is the link between these two? Live truth. How are you going to live truth? In Him. Who's going to give you the strength to do it? He will. Who's going to give you the wisdom to do it? He will. What's the essential part of all this? Abiding in Him. You know, this is a precious, precious little verse. And I want to tell you something as we start. Just as you heard it, and, and I read it already. This is not some secret prayer passage. This is not some, something to, to say, I can get anything I want. Because whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Personally, as a pastor, I get annoyed with those who treat God's Word as if this verse is a blank check. That God signed it, and you just fill in the amount, and He's got to fill it. God to grant it. That is not at all what I see in this passage. It's not consistent with the context. It, it doesn't fit 
anything else. Because the reality is, he is not required to give me anything. When I stop and think about all that I have and all that I am, it's simply by his grace, is it not? I exist by his grace. Ephesians 2.8 says that. We exist by his grace. For by grace you are. That's the way the Greek starts. Having been saved by faith. Our existence is by his grace. Our salvation is by his grace. What we receive for the needs of the day comes by his grace, doesn't it? When we talk about uh, how he leads us in his will, what is that that keeps us? His grace. What preserves us in this life? His grace. What would take us home? His grace. Surely, loving kindness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God's grace is surrounding us constantly. We're living by God's grace. And you can take grace out of the picture and say, okay, what else can you put there? How about love? God's love. Just because of that I exist. Because of His love I've been saved. Because of His love He preserves me all along the way. By His love He'll take me home, right? You can insert mercy in there too, can't you? But when you start to add it up, how much of that have we done? I don't take credit for anything, to tell the truth. Nothing. When I stand before Him in glory, I will not get one-tenth of a percent of the glory. It's all His. It's all that He has done. And so when I stand here and I say, okay, let's talk about prayer today, and I read a verse like this, I've not seen anything in here that says that He owes me anything. He has given me everything. But he owed me nothing. This is mercy. This is love. This is sacrifice on his part for us. So I don't ever, really, honestly, I never see prayer as something like a blank check, just fill it in and God will grant that. But I see it as a privilege. A privilege that we have to talk to the God who has everything and can provide us with everything that we need for this day. Everything. So, what is prayer? I'm going to give you some definitions as we go through. And of course, I've got to do a little study with you before we come right back to this passage and plug it all in. Okay? This is very important. Prayer is the access we have to approach God's throne with the concerns of our heart. That's a privilege. To have access to approach God's throne with the concerns of our heart. Travel with me over to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to use this as our definition verse today. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Hebrews 4.16. Now you're going to help me with this because I'm going to ask you questions and you need to help me uh, define some terms here, okay? Hebrews 4.16. Therefore... Let us draw near with confidence, you might have the word boldness there, to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Alright, you notice the first word? 
What is it? It's a therefore, right? We, we've got to look at that therefore just a minute. Uh, if we're going to talk about this passage, a therefore links it to something else. And if you back up just two verses or so, it says in verse 14, we have a great high priest. Who's that? It's Jesus, right? We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, we do have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, all right, our therefore is based on the fact that we can approach God's throne because Jesus is our high priest. That is important. Jesus is our high priest. He paid for our sins, didn't he? Absolutely. He cleansed us, didn't he? Yes. And he now is praying for us. Do you know that? He intercedes on our behalf. He's right there next to the Father. He sustains us in this life. It's just terrific to have a high priest like this. Because this high priest is not going to get old. This high priest is not going to retire. This high priest will not die. He lives forever. He's our high priest. So we always have access because of him, right? Okay, that's our therefore. Now, we have the, uh, access to do what? It says we have the access to draw near, right? What is draw near? I'll give you two options. See which one you, which one you think is right. Are we calling him or is he calling us? What's draw near? We draw near. Is that us calling him? No. That's he's calling us. We have access. We, we can draw near. Draw near. Now, it's kind of important that you see this. We can go to the throne. We can draw near to that throne. We can do that. This has nothing to do with pride. Matter of fact, this is even better. <laughs> Picture a, a conflict in a relationship, and, and person A is over here, imaginary person A is over here, and person B is over here, and they're having a relationship issue. And they don't want to talk to each other. They don't want to see each other. And they're going to stay on either side until somebody decides to drop their pride and walk over to the other person in order to make it right. You ever been in that situation? I'm not moving. I'm not saying a thing until they say they're sorry. How long could that go on? You know human pride, don't you? Ooh, that could go on for a very long time. Waiting for the first one to break and to come to the other person. What does it say when it says that we can draw near to him? You know what we're dropping on our way in that way? That's stubborn pride. That's stubborn pride. See, we have a problem. He has the answer. True? He has the answer. We approach Him. We approach Him. We draw near to Him. We're not telling Him to be here. We're not telling Him to do that. We're going to Him. Because He has the answers. 
He's the solution. We draw near. That's what it says. We draw near. And how can we do that? What do you see in verse 16? We draw near with what? With confidence. With boldness, you might have there. Great little word. Uh, Combination of two words in the Greek. All speech. You say, what? All speech. You can say anything to him. You have the freedom of all speech before his throne. Is that amazing? Go in the Old Testament and see how some of these guys used to pray. It would alarm you if you heard it here in our sanctuary. Say, hey, you can't pray like that. You know that sound effect we had before the service with that boom and the crack and the lights went off? We'd expect that if somebody prayed like some of the Old Testament people did. Because we say, oh, you can't say that. He says we can approach with confidence. And the words are all speech. Freedom to speak. We have freedom to speak. That's pretty powerful. When you're talking about a God like ours. I have the freedom to speak. You see, I'm approaching near to him. And I've got a problem. And I'm very needy. And as I approach, I'm free to speak. That's an amazing picture. Just to grasp it. But I can do that. And you can do that. Because of what simple words that Jesus taught back in Matthew 6, verse 8. He said this, So do not be like them. He's talking about Gentiles and Pharisees and all these others who put on a show when they pray. He says, don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask it. Don't ever let that escape your mind when you go into Him to pray. You think you have to teach Him something. You have to inform him of the day. He didn't catch the newspaper yet. So you've got to tell him, what's going on today, Lord? Let me explain everything so that you can catch up, so you can understand my need. This verse says, he already knows your need before you ask it. That means you can go honestly before him, right? He already knows. He already knows. There's where my confidence lies. Two things, that's kind of neat, what what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8. Your Father knows. There's one part of my confidence. He's my Father. I could talk to my Father. Can you? Can you walk into the presence of your Father and talk? Your Heavenly Father? Absolutely. And this is what He says. Your Father knows. He has perfect knowledge of the need. He even has more knowledge of the need than I do. So my confidence is based on who? Me and my ability to pray and convince Him of my need? Or Him who already knows my need and has asked me to draw near with this confidence? See, it's not my ability to pray I'm looking at here. It's not my way of crafting a prayer that will get His attention. It's not at that at all. He says we can draw near with confidence all words, freedom to speak, to the throne. To the throne. Who sits on a throne? Somebody ruling, right? Somebody in charge. We would say a king would sit on a throne. We would say a sovereign sits on a throne. Who sits on our throne? 
Who are we going to talk to? We approach Him. He's the one on the throne, right? He's sovereign, right? That's good to know. What is His sovereignty characterized by? What is His throne identified as? A throne of what? Grace. Doesn't that sound beautiful? A throne of grace. A throne of power, yes. A throne of truth, yes. A throne of grace. Now, is this starting to sound pretty nice? This is what we are allowed to do. We draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. And what is the result of that? What's the rest of the verse say? So that we may receive mercy and find grace. Are you, are you surprised? Would you expect anything else from God? We come before Him and He provides us with mercy and we find grace. And when does it help? What's the last part of the verse? In the time of need. Okay. Would you say that this is a good understanding of prayer? That we can draw near with confidence to a throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Now, hold that. That's very important. And let's look at one more place. And that's Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And verse, uh, start with verse 14. It's a handful of verses here. But we're not going to dissect them quite as, as uh, deep as this last one. But Ephesians 4, or 3, sorry, verse 14. This is Paul praying. He's praying on behalf of the Ephesian believers. He says, For this reason I bow by my knees before the, who? Father, there it is, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, see, He has what we need. He has what we need. When we think this through, He has what we, who would you go to? Would you, if you had a great need, say you needed $50, okay, and you knew somebody who had $50, like, Sid over here, he's got fifty dollars, I'm sure. Next week, though, his daughter's getting married, so he won't have fifty dollars. So, for right now, he's got it. So we'll go to him next week. We we'll say, I, I don't know if I can go there because he may not have it. So I'll go to the source I think has it. Right? When we're talking about our needs, spiritual needs, who has what we need? God does, right? Look at this prayer that He would grant you. We've got to start with an understanding. That's why prayer is such a humbling thing. We are confessing in prayer. Every time we pray, we are needy and He has it. That's what a prayer is. We are needy. We don't have it. He has it. So we go and talk to Him about it. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, a couple of things. This is a couple things he's going to To be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
Where does our strength come from according to that verse? Christ dwelling in our heart. Christ dominating our heart, right? There's our strength. This is a Paul's praying. God will grant you this. Christ dominating in your heart that you may have strength through your power, through the power of His Spirit in the inner man. And, second thing, that you be rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. The second request is that you may comprehend and to know the love of Christ. Comprehend and know. So, here's his two big requests for the Ephesian believers. That you may know that Christ is in you, and that you may know that Christ loves you. Now, will that change the way you live? Certainly will. This is his prayer request for them. Now, what's the result of this? Verse 20. Now, to him who is able. That's my theology, by the way. My whole doctrinal statement just starts that way. Him who is able. Alright? To him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think. There's our prayer. Our puny little prayers. We don't ask and we don't think. But he's greater than that, isn't he? We approach his throne in such a, a pathetic way, I'm afraid. But that doesn't change him, because he is able. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask. Or beyond all that we think. And who gets the glory? What does verse 21 tell us? To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And that means there never change. He gets the glory. So I'm putting together my definition of prayer. And according to this verse, it's now our focus is on Him to provide for us what we need to bring Him glory. Our focus is on Him to provide for us what we need to bring Him glory. All right, you've got definitions now in your mind? Let's go back and look what John had to say. Do you think he's going to contradict any of that? (laughs) Not at all. Matter of fact, he's been telling us about the three biggest needs of our life. And we've come to the conclusion on our own, we can't do it. Be like Christ. Love our brother. Live the truth. I would say that's pretty pretty important stuff. And pretty, pretty difficult stuff. And you know what we need to, to do to see this through? We need to go and talk to the one who will provide our needs that we might do it for his glory. Read the verse again, 1 John 3.22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Observation number one. Verse 22 is not a complete sentence. I'll tell you this because 
the Greek text and the English text don't always express exactly what uh, we're looking at here. Uh, most translations, maybe yours this morning, uh, shows you that verse 21 is part of verse number 22. Now, the King James actually puts a period between those two, uh, makes them two different sentences, but most of the Greek text, matter of fact, everyone I've ever seen, does not. Verse 21 and verse number 22 go together. And because that is so, he's working off that previous thought. Verse 21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Confidence? Didn't we just see that word? Hebrews 4, 16, we have confidence. You know what? It's the exact same word. We have that, don't we? We have that. All right. Uh, the confidence is factored into verse 21. And in that confidence before God, whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Both of these verses are references to prayer. 21 and 22 are both in references to prayer. That's an observation I have noticed. Another observation I've noticed is this phrase, whatever we ask, we receive from Him has an awful lot of information around it, just to, to be labeled as a blank check isn't going to work. There's too much around it that qualifies it and helps us to understand it. Such as, verse 21, our confidence to speak before God has to do with the assurance that we have God in our lives, that, that He's working in our lives. And in verse 22, we have that confidence to ask anything, don't we? We have that, that freedom to come before Him. It relates to that verse. But also look at verse 22. Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Can you take that off the chart? Say that's not important? You can't do that. See, you can't claim one part of the verse without claiming the rest. And if it says that we will receive what we ask, we also have to consider we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Now, usually people look at that and they add that on like that's, a, that's the required side of it for getting the answer to prayer. Uh, not exactly yet. All right? I've got to keep explaining a little bit more. I want the whole picture to be clear. Verse 21, back up to it one more time. What actually gives us this confidence to speak before God? If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. As we saw last week, our hearts will condemn us because it works like a gauge, right? It works like that, that trigger in us, especially when we're not living the truth. It reminds us of that fact. That's, it's good at that, and it's made to do that. And because it does that, it helps us to walk like we're supposed to. The heart is designed to help us with that. And so we have confidence in two ways. One, we have confidence when we're doing something right. You don't feel conviction when you do something right, do you? You don't feel guilty for doing something right, do you? No, you have confidence in that, and you know that. Your heart won't condemn you. The second thing is, when our hearts do condemn us, who's greater than our heart? Do you remember? Verse number 20, In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. 
God is greater. He knows. He knows you're one of His children. Right? He knows what He's making you to be. He knows when you stand in His presence, you shall be like His Son. Does He know that? He knows all these things about us. I think that's wonderful. Those facts do not escape His notice. And that gives us an assurance of a relationship. That's precious. So, you know what that tells me? Whether my heart is condemning me or whether it's commending me, I can still go before my Father. I can still approach Him. Whenever my heart points out a failure, guess who I need to go talk to? My Father. Does He welcome me? Yes. What if, what if all of a sudden I, I've done something right? I could go before my Father and, and uh, give Him the glory for that too, can't I? See, in, in either way, I can approach His throne because I have a high priest. One who lives and one who prays on my behalf. And that will never change. Think of how great this is, folks. You take a Pharisee, as Jesus pointed this out, he can go to any corner on any street and he could blow his trumpet and he could straighten up his robes and he could use big words and he can pray all day long and he could pray all through the night and never get heard. Never get heard. And here comes that poor sinner who is a child of God and he could whimper a prayer whimper a prayer and the Savior is standing there in his stead and the Spirit is speaking on his behalf and the Father hears him. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we have. We have a Father who hears. A Father who knows. A Father who's greater than our hearts. And so we have confidence before him, don't we? We have confidence to go and speak to him. That's in this context of whatever you... Ask, you receive. First of all, you come before Him with confidence, knowing exactly how needy you are. And putting it back into its context, if we are to be like Christ, we are to be pure. How often? All the, you good at that? If we're to be like Christ, we're to be righteous. Passage told us that too. How often? All the time. You're starting to feel something? We are not to sin. We are to love our brother. We are to lay down our lives for our brother. We are to live truth. And we come and stand before God, and knowing who we are, and knowing what He expects of us, we have to confess how needy we are in all of these, that we cannot do it. And He knows that, doesn't He? He knows that even before we ask. And so he says, now, this is what it comes down to. Ask me that you may be able to do it. Whatever you ask. In this context, it's essential we understand it. We have to ask because we just saw our need. Our need is to be like him. We've got to approach that throne. We've got to say, Lord, this is exactly the thing I need. Does he answer a prayer like that? You see it all of a sudden? This is the context he's talking about here. Living for Christ. Keeping his commandments. Doing the things that's pleasing in his sight. We have to ask. We have to approach the throne. 
If you're doing it on your own strength, then you've told God you don't need Him. Oh, I'd hate to say that. Let's, take, let's erase that whole lie. Is that like us? We do it on our own so we can walk before His throne and say, hey, look at how good we are. <laughs> We've got to learn to ask. See, this is a prayer of help. If you want to understand verse 22, just write the word help next to it and you got it. You've just read all that He expects of you. We're keeping His commandments. We're to be like Christ. We're loving His brother. We're living the truth. We're doing the things that are pleasing in Himself, in His sight. He sees what we're doing. He knows we cannot do it without Him. So He says, ask, 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 and you'll receive. See it? This prayer, a focus on Him to provide for us what we need to bring Him glory. I want to read it to you in another way, because this is the way that Jesus said it too. In John 15, you see verse 4 and verse number 5 and verse 7 and 8. I'm just going to read those four verses for you here. This is the way Jesus said it. Abide in me. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you are abiding in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Oh, you're starting to see it? That's all in the department of abiding, right? The more you abide, the more you're going to realize how much you need to ask. (laughs) Ask what you wish, and it will be done for you. And my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So, let me add something to your daily essential list. You're to be like Christ. Remind yourself of that in the morning. You are to love your brother. Remind yourself of that in the morning. You are to live truth. Remind yourself of that first thing in the morning. And then go talk to him about it. Right? Talk to him about it. Tell him that you need to be like Christ. Tell him you need to love your brother. Tell him you need to live the truth. And you can't do it unless he gives what you need for that day. Do you think you answer that prayer? He just said so. He just said so. Pray for what you need to love your brother. Pray for what you need to live the truth. And whatever you ask, you receive from him. But you've got to start asking. So what am I asking you to put on your list of things to do tomorrow morning? Pray. Pray. Heavenly Father, we've got to start here ourselves. When we see these words and we're, we're impressed by them and overwhelmed by them, we have to come to your throne. For you are the only one who could accomplish this in our lives. You will do it. And we want to be participants of the process. We want to be pleasing in your sight. Yes. We want to keep your commandments. Yes. We want to be like Christ. Yes. And only you can do it. 
And we are very needy people. Teach us to keep our focus on you. To ask of you to provide what we need to bring you glory. That we would be careful to walk each day as those who abide in Christ. That way we always address the things we see as that which brings you glory and honor. And you get the credit. Help us, Lord, with this understanding. Help us to learn to pray and ask that you may provide, that you might be praised. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.